This is The Mystic Show, episode 189. Time to relax. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran. I'm happy you're able to join me at this moment. Me and you, hanging out, talking about spirituality or meditation, or mindfulness. That's what today's topic is, mindfulness. And we also touch on mindlessness. But the purpose of this show is for you and I to discuss these valuable topics and learn from them and be able to implement them in our lives. You know, real meaning in our lives instead of just the flashy money, cars, house, clothing, bling, I say I only say bling because my wife and I just watched uh, the movie Blood Diamond, which was a crazy, nutty movie. Well done, though. Well made. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was really good in it. It's an old movie, actually. So this show, we normally release episodes every Friday, but you've probably noticed that in the past couple months, I'm missing some weeks. And uh, that's okay. That might keep happening, so... Don't worry about it. If I don't put out an episode one week, I'll be back the next week, uh, especially over the holidays because it's early December right now. Of course, you can hear this show as a podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And you can also get this really cool little audio project I made called Relax with Rumi. I actually hand-selected a bunch of Rumi quotes. He was a Persian poet, I think in the 14th century or 13th century. And I read these quotes over relaxing music and it's really cool. It's like 40 something minutes of nice audio where you hear these really nice quotes. So you can download that. It's free if you join the mailing list. It's the behind the scenes email list. Go to themysticshow.net and you can avail yourself of that. Of course, we're going to, I had a real nice chat with Bruce Langford. He's our guest today, and I'm going to get to that in a second. But um, I'd also like to thank our sponsor, our sister organization, Pause Your Life. That's right. Pause Your Life. Because sometimes you feel like you just want to hit the pause button. And Pause Your Life facilitates meetups and organizes retreats. We're still planning for our next retreat, but pauseyourlife.org is the website, and we're really doing a lot there. Meetups happening all over the country and in Canada as well. In fact, our guest today is from Canada, near Toronto, and he facilitates a Pause Your Life meetup in his area. So his name is Bruce Langford. I'm really happy to finally have Bruce on the show because he does his own show. It's called Mindfulness Mode. 
and it's at mindfulnessmode.com. And he has been doing that show for a while. He's done many episodes. He talks about mindfulness. So I met him about 10 months ago in Florida. We were at the PodFest. And him and I just had a few really nice conversations. He invited me on his show and he shared some of his vast knowledge with me about mindfulness and really nice. So anyway, he's finally on the Mystic Show. This is episode 189. Him and I had a nice chat the other day when I was in New Jersey, actually, because as you know, I just got back from my trip. So Bruce and I talked about a lot of the practical applications of mindfulness and we go into some nice deeper theory as well and, and questioning what it really is. What is mindfulness and how does it benefit us? So it was a nice conversation. I know you're going to love it. So here it is. So Bruce, Bruce Langford, happy to have you here with me. You are the host of Mindfulness Mode, which is a podcast, Mindfulness Mode. And um, you've been doing it for quite a while now, right? I have. I've been doing it for over a year. Great to be on your show, Chris. Thanks very much for inviting me for the chat. Yes, the Mystic Show. And and listeners know that one of the topics that I talk about at times is mindfulness. And you, on your show, have interviewed so many different people about mindfulness and the practical applications of mindfulness, which is what I really find fascinating. Actually, I was on your show a while back and we talked a little about mindfulness, but then we started going into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> right. We did. Yes. Which is also fun, obviously. That was fun. It was great having you on the show. <laughs> so, and just so I don't forget, the website for Mindfulness Mode is mindfulnessmode.com. Boom. And the link will be in the in the show notes here as well. So, uh, so I want to know how you got into mindfulness. I want to know uh, maybe some ways in which you use it in your life. And But first, I'd like to, if, if you can recall any interesting stories that maybe some of your guests have shared with you over the year plus that you've been doing the show, maybe some stories about how they've, you know, used mindfulness in their life or, or what, what have been some of the interesting stories you've come across? There have been so many. One was a woman, she lived in Europe, and she said, you know, I was sick. I was so sick for years, and I didn't know why. And I, I went to doctors everywhere, specialists. Nobody could help me. All they would do is give me pills and medicine. And she said, one day I looked outside and I thought, I'm just, I'm just going to forget everything that everybody told me. I'm just going to go outside and I'm going to run in my bare feet. I'm just going <laughs> to run around and I'm going to get grounded. And she had been reading some things and getting some ideas and there was snow on the ground. Hmm. And she thought, you know what? I don't care if there's snow on the ground. I'm going to go out there. And that changed her life. She got out there. She felt nature. She thought, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a connection. I don't know why exactly that was a pivotal moment, but it was. And since that time, she's written a couple of books and she's inspired hundreds and hundreds of people to to become grounded by connecting with the earth and to connect with nature and get out there and be active and and to eat healthy 
eat natural foods, and that's what her books are about. And it was very inspiring. Her her name is Hilda Larson, and I talked to her again since then, and just think it's amazing how she's inspiring people. But the interesting thing is I've noticed a common denominator that has come up with quite a few guests who have said, you know, you, you got to get your shoes off. You know, you've <laughs> got to get connected to the earth. One woman t- told me, she said, I'm sitting here with my feet on a crystal plank. <laughs> I said, you are? And she said, yeah. She said, it helps me to feel grounded. It connects me. She says, I've never been into stuff like that, you know, crystals and all this. It just was never my thing. But I somehow got exposed to this and I ended up with this crystal plank (laughs) in my office. I put my feet on that and she says, I just got to tell you, I just feel so much better. Wow. That's some, I love that. Take your shoes off. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so simple. And, and the funny thing is, I think it was a, maybe seven or eight years ago, I, I noticed that I had sort of, I had some pain in my feet. And I, and I went to my doctor. I went to a foot specialist as well. And, and, and the foot specialist said, well, so when do you feel the pain? And I said, well, when I'm mostly when I'm in my bare feet. And he says, do you feel the pain when you're in, wearing your shoes? And I said, no, not really. He says, well, wear your shoes. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, oh. I mean, I thought, well, you know, you'd think I would have been able to figure that out. <laughs> Sometimes things are very simple. But since that time, and since so many other people have talked about this, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I do need to connect with the earth more through my bare feet. So I was just interviewing someone last week who talked about this again. And he said, Steve Jobs went barefoot a lot. And he felt he could be more creative that way. He felt more connected. It was just something that he felt. And so I started... uh, taking people's advice. And I feel more connected now, Chris. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of study on it or anything, but I'm, I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be something to it. Right. There's probably something physical to it and something mental. And probably. of course, it leads to the emotional as well. That's right. That's right. That's so interesting. So why, why do you think that is? I mean, Look, we all know, well, well, let's put it this way. One of the reasons mindfulness is gaining in popularity is because so many aspects of our everyday lives are becoming so chaotic and and complicated and time-consuming, and we just sort of get sucked into living this day-to-day life of, you know, working and family and, you know, good things good things as well as, you know, maybe not so good things. Um, But what do you think it is about taking your shoes off or getting back to nature that actually helps? I mean, how did it, I don't even know if that's a valid question. I think it is a valid question. And I think that you do feel the earth more. You feel the ground more. Someone said, you know, you're wearing casts on your feet. That's what shoes are. (laughs) I'm like, Really? And, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up on the farm, and at the beginning of 
you know, summer, off came the shoes and socks, and we were just running around all the time in our bare feet, never thinking anything of it. We could run across the, the gravel driveway with no problem, whatever, because, you know, we had this toughness. Our feet were kind of calloused. And now, you know, kids don't go barefoot so, so much. You know, there's this, this concern, oh my gosh, you know, what if they step on something sharp or whatever? Uh, I do think that we just need this connection. We need to go back and and feel what it feels like to just connect with the ground. And, and you know, like I think you walk differently. I think you run differently with bare feet. And I know I interviewed Michael Sandler who wrote Barefoot Running, and he certainly believes that. He says, you know, there's nothing like going barefoot and running in your bare feet. You use different muscles. You you it's just so much better. It connects your body. It makes everything better. So, I don't know the science behind it, but I do know there's a feeling there. And when you think that shoes are almost like a cast that you're wearing on your feet, Mm -hmm. then it gives you a different perspective. And so, you know, maybe Steve Jobs had something, you know, he's a pretty smart guy in most ways. So, you know, I think that maybe going barefoot does add to your creativity and the way you can accomplish in your life. And and I think when it comes to mindfulness, we really need to step off that treadmill that you mentioned. You know, we really need to step back, take some deep breaths, and look at life in a different way. It doesn't have to be the rat race where we're just trying to catch up every single day. We're trying to stay afloat. Life doesn't have to be like that. Right. Yeah, and and the benefits of mindfulness are so many. Um, Although, however, many people who are busy and productive, for instance, um, my wife and I were recently on uh, guests on another podcast called Mm -hmm. The Future Stir, with uh, Greg Heist and his co-host Ben, and it was really nice. We got to talk about Pause Your Life and, and all that, um, and what Pause Your Life is. And and by the way, I would like to mention it this time, uh, so I don't forget, is that, Bruce, you are a Pause Your Life facilitator up in Canada where you live, near, relatively close to Toronto. So I want the listeners to know that you are hosting monthly meetups up there for Pause Your Life, and um, yeah, that's right. And and maybe at maybe near the end we can talk about that because I want sure. I really want to know your experience with the group. But anyhow, my wife and I were on this podcast talking about pausing, you know, pausing your life, hitting right. the pause button, and relaxing and stopping and offloading all your baggage, you know, just setting down all your mental garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in in the pre show interview. Ben asked us, he said, well, but how does how does pausing really contribute to someone's productivity? Because obviously if you work, let's say you work 10 hours a day, but if you're say you're going to meditate for 30 minutes a day, then you can only work for nine and a half hours a day. So how do you make up for that loss of productivity? How does pausing make you m- more productive instead of less? And I pretty much had to stop him and say, you know what? Let's just be very clear on this. Pausing and and in, in this in reference to this conversation, mindfulness is not 
about productivity, actually. <laughs> it's more about balancing your life so we can live a meaningful life. I mean, it's yes, not it all about the productivity. So when people might come to you and say, yeah, well, mindfulness is a good idea, but I really don't have time for that. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you say? Well, I, I, I say something very similar, you know, like there's more to life than your to-do list. <laughs> there's more to life than all of these things. And, you know, it's, it's about what is your true value? What are you trying to achieve? Where are you going? Who are you? <laughs> you know, and sometimes we come to places in our life when a tragedy happens or, you know, something dramatic happens in our life and suddenly we're jolted into reality and we're like, just a second, who am I? <laughs> you know, where am I going? What's my legacy? You know, we think some of these thoughts. Well, yeah, the thing is, maybe you don't have to wait till there's a tragedy. Maybe you don't have to wait till you're 77 years old and you've just had a stroke and you're suddenly thinking, what did I leave behind? Mm. What did I really do to leave the world a better place? And through mindfulness, it kind of helps you get centered so that you can get focused on those things now instead of later. And you can live a productive life and enjoy it and be mindful and enjoy some of the some of the experiences that mindfulness will offer you. And mindfulness does offer you a lot of amazing experiences because it's all about living in the now. And so often we spend time worrying about what happened yesterday and getting really upset about it and really bent out of shape about it. And, and the tension and the stress just builds because you're thinking about that. And then you turn around and think, oh, but maybe that could happen again tomorrow. <laughs> What's going to happen tomorrow if that same thing happens? Or, or maybe something will be w worse that happens tomorrow. Oh, geez, what am I going to do about that? And we get so caught up into worrying sometimes about tomorrow or yesterday that we forget, hey, look at this beautiful day today. Look at this awesome life that I'm living. Look at this wonderful family I have or this job that truly gives me enjoyment. You know, thinking about now is something we should do now. <laughs> right, Chris? Yeah. Not wait till later. I'll think about now, later. <laughs> and that's what mindfulness is. Right, right. So, what would you say in terms of avoiding things? Because on the spiritual path, and, and even just speaking of wisdom itself, you know, wisdom says, you know, don't get into the mess and then have to figure out how to get out of the mess. Like, don't even get in. Like, avoid the mess. And I think a lot of people's lives, well, we know. We, we create our own problems. We know that. Each of us individually. To a large extent. Now, there's always the people that say, oh, what about the three-year-old who has cancer and all that? And, well, mm -hmm. you know, did, he, did the three-year-old cause that? And that's another conversation. That's a much deeper and higher level conversation. But in terms of everyday life and our lives, we create our lives. So wisdom says, avoid the messes, avoid the problems, like, and don't create problems for yourself. 
So how do you think mindfulness uh, contributes to that? Well, I think it is important to avoid the problems. Mindfulness, so much of it is allowing things to be and understanding that there are things out there that we cannot change and there are things that we can. And mindfulness helps you to see that and to understand that and then you can go about and just allow yourself to accept what we need to accept and when you know there are things that we can change we can set a course for ourselves we can make decisions that affect our future we can create an amazing life but don't forget so much of what amazing means is mindset. You know, it may be an amazing life to me, and you may look at it and think, whoa, you know, that Bruce guy, I, I feel bad for him. But, you know, it's all about mindset. It's all about how we think about something, how it looks to us, in our opinion, in our mind. And so, if you can learn what mindset means to you, and you can learn that you are controlling how you feel based on your mindset, then you can create a pretty good place where it feels awesome to be there, you're enjoying your life day by day, and yeah, stuff happens, absolutely. But if the stuff that happens is completely beyond my control and I simply choose to allow it and not judge not think, oh, did I make that happen? Oh, is that my fault? You know, we can beat ourselves up until we can cause so much anxiety and so much overwhelm that it literally paralyzes us. And mindfulness helps us not do that. Mm. You know, before we started recording our conversation, we were talking about you were telling me about certain things that happened to you and you had to take a moment and come back to mindfulness so you didn't get you know upset or annoyed or frustrated or whatever it is right so how do you personally like when something happens that affects you in some way we all i mean things happen every day that affect us and maybe something that kind of frustrates you or annoys you or makes you start to feel that way how do you come back to your center, well, number one, that's mindfulness. So, number one, how do you come back to your center? And number two, how do you actually accept what's happening? For instance, maybe it's other, another person. You have to accept what they're doing or accept them how, and allow them just to be what they are. So, how does that, how, how do you accept that? Well, the first thing I do is I notice my breathing it's funny because I just, all of a sudden, you know, something like that happens and I'm just like, okay, am I breathing the way I should be? Am I really taking a deep breath? And I don't necessarily change the way I'm breathing. I might, but I just notice it. And just by noticing it, it seems to give me a place where it's almost like I'm looking down on myself and I can just feel stress leaving my body because I'm just looking down on myself. There's this person. This thing just happened. So what? You know, I was driving home yesterday and uh, 
somebody didn't like the way I moved into another lane and they honked the horn at me and they were, you know, <laughs> irate. And I'm like, well, it's happened, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's happened. And uh, I didn't, I know I didn't do anything that was that terrible, but I'm not going to let it bother me for the rest of the day. But sometimes, sometimes it is something that can have an effect. Like I was stopped at an intersection the other day and I just happened to look beside me and the person beside me in the car beside me put their window down, dropped garbage out on the road and put their window back up. Oh. And I'm like, you know what? I know people do that. I know people just think that the world is their garbage can. Sometimes <laughs> I realize that. I get it. But like here, this just was like a, a wake-up call to me. It was like, there's a person that just did that, just deliberately mm-hmm. put down the window, dropped the garbage out out on the street. And I just kind of, like, I don't usually do this, but I just kind of looked and obviously I must have had a bit of a a bit of a look on my face as though, you know, really? Mm. <laughs> you know, you really just did that? And so anyway, I thought, you know what? I'm going to just notice my breath. I'm going to relax. I'm going to accept, you know, there are people out there and this is not going to make me feel tense, stressed out, anxious, or upset. So I'm sitting there and about a minute and a half later, there was this tap, 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 tap mm. on my window. And I looked, and it was the person had gotten out of their car, and they had gotten out of their car, picked up the garbage, and they were showing me that they had picked up the garbage, <laughs> and they got back in their car. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. now that's an interesting thing to have happen. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't like I, you know... Gave them the finger or started swearing at them or anything at all. I just I just looked, noticed it. I probably made, you know, there was probably an expression on my face that, you know, I was like, whatever. But um, they obviously, wh- whether they felt my vibes or they got the message somehow, and something told them that, hey, yeah, that was really not maybe the best choice of a thing to do at that moment. But mindfulness really, I think that when we choose to allow certain things and accept certain things, then sometimes we're surprised at what the outcome is. You know, and that's like in, in Michael Singer's book, The Surrender Experiment. That's what it was all about. Like just... You know, I'm just going to accept this. I'm just going to allow this thing to happen. And then, whoa, next thing we know, look at what has happened as a result. That's pretty amazing. And some amazing things did happen to Michael Singer, which was pretty fascinating. Right. That's an interesting point you bring up, that when you do accept something genuinely and allow it, whatever tragedy we thought might happen usually doesn't happen, actually. (laughs) Right. So, hmm, it's almost like we're it's almost like we're avoiding worrying in advance. Yes. Which means that we have a habit of worrying in advance. 
unfortunately some you know i think we do have a habit of that yeah yeah for sure i know i have for much of my life you know i i was a pretty anxious kid and stressed out about things and you know i remember when i would have exams i just you know i i loved school i did well in school i knew the material but i'd get into that exam and i would literally my brain would freeze up my brain would go into paralyzed mode and i had no idea why and i had no idea what to do about it right right now you have some tools at your disposal to to That's come right. back to mindfulness so let me ask you this before we move away from acceptance and allowing Okay, so you catch yourself in the moment, you you kind of come back to your center and you tell yourself, okay, I'm not going to, you know, for instance, when you change lanes and someone mm-hmm. honked at you really bad, um, you said, well, I didn't do anything majorly wrong and it's I'm, I'm not going to get, it's not going to upset me. Mm-hmm. What happens if, let's say two or three minutes later, you have more thoughts about that and you really you start thinking about it again and almost worrying about it. Like, well, did I do something wrong? Or, you know, I don't like when people honk at me. Like I I understand when something happens in the moment, you can come to your center and accept it. But when it, if, if, and when it comes up later, how do you handle those thoughts later? I just allow it. And I think that's the thing. I think in the past I would, I would kind of go, oh, why am I thinking that? Oh, no, I, I need to get rid of that thought. And I think it's different. And I think the reason it's different is because of my meditation practice. I, I never had any idea of this ahead of time. Like if somebody had said to me, oh, you should start meditating because this will happen or that will happen, I would probably think, oh, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> but the fact is I have been meditating for a long time and so I meditate every morning and then I just notice that it just it just seems to help me in allowing things to be. So in that case, yeah, if a thought came back, I just say, "Oh, well, isn't that interesting? You know, that thought came back." Hmm. And then and then the thought seems to disappear. Hmm. So it's all about just letting th- thoughts happen, letting things happen. And whether they're thoughts about what I did or thoughts about something that I think might happen or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. So that's that's an interesting thought. It's it's doesn't mean in any way whatsoever that I'm any kind of, you know, guru at meditating or anything like that. It's just that as you do it and as you learn more and more and more about mindfulness, you just start to notice, hey, Things work a lot better if you don't fight them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? The old saying, what you resist persists. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think in our society, we have this belief that if we're not resisting, there must be something wrong with us. Right. You know, you have to you have, to have this resisting thing, you know? You know, I, I read online one one time, you know, like if you're a man and you have a family, you know, you need to be doing this and this and this and this and and you need to be looking after your family by, and then it listed a bunch of things that I didn't particularly agree with, you know, because I think that you can be a great provider and protector by teaching your family what it means to allow, what it means to accept what it means to have peace and be grounded. 
and you know you you feel like you're in a safe zone and there are ways to be in safe zones we're not all in a safe zone but uh you know like i think a lot of it comes from our mindset and if we are around other people that feel we're not in a safe zone we're around other people who feel oh you know i have to do this i have to do that something might happen then things probably will happen that are not so nice right you bring up another really good point that this post that said if you're a father you have to do a b c d e and f and all that and you didn't agree with it and and the things you mentioned teaching well not only yourself but along with your family teaching what how to allow how to use mindfulness how to be peaceful and accepting mm-hmm. what you're talking about is really the higher virtues of human beings and so much of modern society is based on well ba- it's very animalistic it's male and female and the male has to be this big tough guy right and the female whatever or whatever whatever it is there's these stereotypes and these yes. quote unquote norms and I think a lot of folks don't understand that a lot of that stuff is just behaving like an animal. Like if someone hits you, you want to hit them back five times, but that's, that's an animalistic response. So, and, and look, there's, there's a time and place for everything. I'm not denying that, Mm -hmm. but in terms of each of us as individuals really growing and evolving into beings with higher virtues with some class some classiness what you're what we're talking about is the way it's the things we have to talk about to get there and yeah i i think people at the right time in their life they hopefully come to that realization that you know what i don't have to be uh, speaking of men i don't have to be a big macho tough guy a know-it-all to be a man I can be gentle and kind and mindful and peaceful. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And that's certainly something in our society that that many people live with with that attitude that men have to be that way. And yeah, it's 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 kind of sad in a way, but you know, it's just it's just the way it is. Yeah, it's just another situation that presents itself and each of us has to decide. Do I want to live this way or do I want to raise myself up? And most people, unfortunately, say, no, this is the only way to live and I'm going to live that way. But people who, you know, folks like us who want to start talking about these different things and moving up, you know, in awareness, um, we do it. So it's always, that's the thing about life. Like, no matter how bad it is or no no matter how crazy situations are or cultures or countries or whatever, you know, we know there's a lot of nonsense in the world. It almost, it, it only comes down to you. How are you going to react to that? <laughs> yeah, it really does, does come down to your reaction. You choose what your reaction is going to be. And when you think about it that way, you know, like... It is really totally different than you made me do such and such. You made me do this. You made me do that. And and it's kind of funny because, I mean, my son's been, you know, exposed to all these different ideas for his whole life. But when he was about eight years old, 
he was doing something on the computer and he was playing some game or something and I had asked him to come for dinner and he didn't and I asked him again, you know, hey Ben, would you come for dinner? And and I said, Ben, you know what? You're really starting to make me angry, you know, like you're you're just not coming. And he says, But dad, I thought you were in control of your own emotions. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm getting that message across. <laughs> yes, Ben, you're absolutely right. I am. <laughs> and I'm not going to choose to be angry over this. I'm going to choose to do something else. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm pulling the plug out of the wall. Of, yes. <laughs> on your game. That's right. I'm choosing to do something else that will help to make sure you come to the dinner table. Yeah. And I'm going to pull the plug out of the wall and your game's going to be over. And you can't get mad at me, Ben, because you have to be in, in charge of your emotions. <laughs> and interestingly enough, he's an extremely calm teenager these days. He's He's a great guy. He's very centered, very grounded. I mean, he's it's just pretty amazing. And I'm not taking credit for it. It's just that maybe it is something to do with what he's learned through editing so many of my podcasts about mindfulness mm. or who knows, you know, who knows how we become the person we are. There are lots of reasons. Right. So you've as I mentioned, your show is Mindfulness Mode and you've interviewed a lot of different people. You've had on people who are entrepreneurs, you know, they're they're really focused on business and, you know, innovation you know, yes. and things. Um, you have any other little anecdotes from guests who, who have used mindfulness in interesting ways? Well, I just interviewed someone named uh, Gabrielle Foran, and what she, she is a joggler. Do you know what a joggler is, Chris? Um, J-O-G-G? Yes. Oh, a joggler. No, I've never heard that. Well, I had never heard it before either, but she jogs and juggles at the same time. Oh, my goodness. And I thought to myself, wow, if you do this and you're really good at it, you know, you, you're jogging and you're also juggling, that's got to be a mindful experience. <laughs> you know, you, you got to know where your brain is at to be doing that. And she is a world champion joggler. Oh. So, she's competed and is a world champion. And so, I spent time talking with her and she's a scientist, actually. Mm. And it was fascinating learning her views and her thoughts. She said she never really never really thought she would get into something like that. And as a matter of fact, at first she didn't even like jogging when she was younger. And then she got into it and it was her competitive nature that helped her really enjoy it. And then with the joggling and then getting into these competitions, she just got to the point where she totally enjoyed it. And I said, well, does it help you get focused? Does it help you relax? And she said, well, it just feels good. It just feels good to do it. And so, she just keeps on doing it. And she she joggles on a regular basis. So, I, I thought that was pretty fascinating. And it's what I find interesting is interviewing people from so many different places. Like, like the guy, he's a furry. I interviewed him hmm. because he's a very mindful person, but he is also a furry, which means that he walks around wearing ears and a tail sometimes and oh. feels really good about it, <laughs> really en enjoys it. And I thought, well, 
you know what? That's interesting. Right? Uh, to me, you know, that's, I want to know more about your mindset <laughs> and where you are if you enjoy walking around with ears and a tail and what's this about? You know, like, help me learn. And so, it turns out my listeners love this too. They love learning from so many different people. And this person is just, you know what? He just has likes and dislikes and needs and loves, just like all of the rest of us. He just has this one thing that he happens to enjoy doing that some of the rest of us probably think is kind of unusual. <laughs> right. So, you brought up uh, the woman who does the joggling, which yes. is so cool. And I, I would suspect that when she's doing it, she's o- she probably gets in the zone, and it almost becomes yes. unconscious. And And we all know these points in our lives, you know, especially when you're doing anything creative, like a painting or, you know, really anything creative, you just get lost, right? And then might, yes. an hour might go by, you didn't even know it. Some would say, instead of mindfulness, that would be mindlessness, like where there's almost no mind, or almost, maybe you're almost even sort of unconscious, but you're really just in the zone. Um, what do you think about that state? How does that relate to mindfulness? I think I think that's very interesting that you say that, Chris, because I think sometimes mindlessness and mindfulness are very closely related, whereas you would think they would be at the far extremes of the spectrum, but not necessarily. So, I think if we learn how to clearer mind the way she does when she does that, and we might call it mindlessness, it can actually clear our brain so that we can be calm and we can be centered and we can then feel clear to think about other things and to get centered in other ways. Right. So, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, it does make sense that they're the same. I mean, almost... Yeah, that's a that's kind of a deep thought, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. We could talk about that for a while, Chris. Yeah, because you almost when you get lost like that, you're almost just in a state where you're you're almost bypassing your own mind. Either you're on autopilot, or something is just you know feelings and thoughts are just coming through you. You're just like an instrument, and and that supports this idea that for a, for a lot of us, it's our mind which gets us into trouble, right? Our yes. mind, you know, the Vedas say that the mind is your, can be your worst enemy, but it can also be your greatest friend. And the sure. mind is this tool, it's this thing that we have that is so powerful, but we can use it in the wrong way. And we've seen it, you know, we all know how we can use our minds in the wrong way. <laughs> For sure. And so sure. we end up, like you said, meditating and practicing mindfulness to use our mind properly and at times just sort of bypass the mind or just the mind is so clear that just things come through it maybe. Yes. Yes. I I remember interviewing a, a wonderful mindful woman who for years in her mind, food was comfort. Mm. And she became very, very obese And she felt frustrated and she went on a lot of different diets and she tried so hard and she just 
could not get to a place where she could, you know, become slimmer and feel good about herself. She was out of breath. She was not fit. She was in a a job with like a corporate job where she had to travel and had long days, and yet her body was not supporting that. And she went to a wedding, and somebody showed her a picture from the wedding. And, and just this one instant in time when she looked at this picture and she thought, oh my gosh, is that me? Like, I can't believe I look like that. And for whatever reason, that one second in time instigated a change in her mindset and she thought, I'm not going to be this way anymore. I am just not. And from that moment on, she completely changed how she thought about food. It wasn't that she changed, like, yes, she did change her habits. Yes, she did change what she actually did in her life, but the change was in her mind. And she just started almost competitively, like moving forward and thinking, no, I'm, I'm going to be a different person. She said, it's almost like I could look down on myself and I could see that I'm just moving away from that other person I used to be. And she has now become slim and fit and a healthy eater. And she, she just hasn't looked back. Mm. It's episode 134, Cassie Crosley. And I was really impressed at learning about how she, she handled her thoughts and her her mind in such a way that in an instant she could change and move down a different path. Wow. Those moments in life, right? Those one yes. moments are very rare. And and you have to be ready for it as well. I suspect that she was having thoughts for some time before that, that, oh, maybe I'm I sure. should change or maybe I could change and all this. Uh, yeah. But then the, the scales tipped in that one moment. Wow. Yes. And would you say that mindfulness is sort of like, well, let me put it this way. There's a word I like in, in spirituality called detachment. Yes. And, you know, in spirituality, it's very important to detach from basically everything outside yourself because everything outside yourself is, it, it's it's relatively real, but it's not really real. It's not going to be there always and... And once you become attached to something, then you are, in a way, controlled by it. And then there's sort of an expectation. And then, of course, there's disappointment and frustration. And, you know, that whole, <laughs> it's like a tr train of events, a chain of events <laughs> mm -hmm. that once you sort of get on board, it just, they all happen in succession. So detachment's very important, meaning that we can have a home in our lives, or we can have money, we can have a car, we can have certain things those things are just there to help us. They don't define us and we're not, you know, completely wrapped up with our identity in those things. Um, would you say mindfulness is a sort of detachment from the outside world? I think for many people it is, yes. I think, I think the more we can learn how to look down on the world that way and be detached from it and choose how attached we want to be, 
I think the better off we are. And I think mindfulness definitely can help us with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you keep, you've said probably five times at least in this interview, sort of that people are seeing themselves from above or seeing themselves from outside themselves. And yes, in a way, that's one level of detachment. Also, if you're going to detach from things outside yourself, you might, you could consider it that you're coming back to inside yourself, meaning you're, you're identifying more with your feelings and your intuition and your, the higher faculties that are inside of you, um, which quite often get covered over or, or skewed by the outside world. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I think sometimes how we relate to animals or don't relate to animals can tell a lot about ourselves. I interviewed a woman who is uh, a mindfulness expert when it comes to horses, Debbie Roberts Lauks, and uh, she's from a long line of horse people. Her father trains the queen's horses. Hmm. And through this training, it's all about connecting with the animal. And she talked so much about the mindfulness of horses. And yeah, animals can really teach us so much, I think, about mindfulness. And they have this natural way of detaching, really. You know, they're, they're detached. And so I think there is a lot to learn through mindfulness about animals. And, and she was certainly an excellent example of someone who could really help us as listeners who may not even be connected to animals. She just had a way with words that she could really help us see that. Right. Yeah, animals are just so much simpler than humans. Like, it's just, there's a simplicity. Like, again, it's, they're, they're not hindered by a monkey mind. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And we tend to complicate things, that's for sure. Right. And then we develop these mental habits. See, see everyone talks about, like, habits in terms of, oh, smoking or eating too much or, mm-hmm. you know, or going to the gym or not going to the gym, right? But yeah. We have mental habits, right? We have patterns of thought that we just keep repeating. (laughs) And we don't even know it until you start to become mindful. And of course, meditation really helps with that because you're just sitting back as the observer and going, wow, look at all this nonsense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow, I keep thinking about that. I didn't know I thought about that so much. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's really interesting how that opens up avenues for you you know like it's it's just strange and you you know i know i've heard people say oh you know i put it out to the universe that something would happen and i in the past i would kind of think hmm like Mm. what's that about like how do you really do that does that really work Mm. what is that you know but i've had i've had quite a number of instances way too many for them to just be coincidences where things like that have happened, you know? Like I had this, I I have an apartment building and I'm always looking for great tenants. And, you know, I, I had a tenant in this one unit that 
oh, she was not paying the rent, and this was not good. And I was mm. like, you know, I I tried my best to be mindful about the whole thing, and she was a, a nice enough person and everything else. But you know, the bottom line is, you need you need the rent money, right? Yep. And so we talked, and I uh, I I spent some time with her on on the the front porch and we just saying you know hey you know could you suppose you could come up with some money you know to pay the rent and just then um a couple of houses down the street these neighbors were uh putting stuff out you know to the curb and she says oh look that looks like a perfectly good oh I, she says, would you help me drag that over here? Oh, no. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this is interesting. Well, sure enough, they'd put out this leather couch, chair, and ottoman. Huh. So she and I dragged it over, put it on the porch, and she says, I'm putting this on. Now, in Canada, it's called Kijiji. It's not Craigslist, but she says, I'm putting it on Kijiji. I said, sure. Oh, I said, by the way, I said, here's what you do. I said, lift up the cushion. Take a photo. I'll do it for you, and I'll I'll send you the text. Uh, I said, take a picture of the label underneath the cushion, you know, mm. and then also take a picture. This looks like a nice looking couch, right? So, a couple of days later, she texts me and she says, "Bruce, come on over." She says, "She says I've got eight hundred dollars for you." Huh. I'm like, "Really?" She says, "Yeah, the couch and chair. They they came from uh, a city an hour away. They called and they said." They said, we have the exact same set, and we knew that because you put that label on in the ad, oh. and we wanted another couple of pieces to add to it in our room, <laughs> and this is perfect for us. And she, and the lady says to me, here's your $800. She says, I owe it to you, and uh, I appreciate what you, what you did. And so, I thought, well, I don't know whether that's putting it out to the universe, but it's a pretty cool thing. Right. <laughs> don't you think so, Chris? Yeah, that is, uh, that's a beautiful story. Yeah, I like that you spent some time with her, too. You weren't just, you know, the grumpy old nasty landlord who's yelling, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you came down and were human about it, so that's, that's great. Well, I try to be human as much as I can. And then when the, the apartment the apartment was empty and I thought, well, I'll do this again. I'm going to put this out to the universe. And I, I got this call from this guy and I thought he sounded pretty young and he and he was. like. And when I say young, I don't mean I have anything against young people. It's just that the apartment was pricey. And I thought, like, I don't know if this man can afford this. But anyway, it turns out he was an Olympic uh, wrestler. He had been in the Pan Am Games, and he won a bronze for Canada, Whoa. and he had done really well. And then he had got injured, so he couldn't continue on with his wrestling. But in the meantime, he had met a man from my city of London, Ontario, who, who said, if you ever need anything, if you ever need a place to live, if you ever need anything, call me. So, he did. And so, he came to live. And the man is his mentor and helping him to be to change his career and and so on and so he said he needed a place to live close by his office so oh. so he drove up in a very expensive car and you know he obviously had he had some funds and and everything else and so 
he ended up living in moving into the apartment and I ended up interviewing him for my show. <laughs> and he's like, I said, do you know anything about mindfulness? And he says, are you kidding me? He says, to be a wrestler, <laughs> you, you have to be mindful. Oh, wow. He said, I've been, I've been, uh, practicing toward being a, a world-class wrestler since I was 12 years old. I can talk about mindfulness all day. <laughs> yeah. So I interviewed him for the show, absolutely loved it. And then, like I said, he's my tenant. Right. <laughs> like, well, that's pretty interesting too. And he's living in that lady's uh, previous apartment. <laughs> right. Wow. That is wonderful, right? It's nice yeah, the flow, right? Things just flow yes. around you. When you're in the right mindset and the right, you know, condition, you might call right. it, spiritual condition, then things just flow and, and it's, you know, that's, those are the times in life when you sort of, it it sort of stirs up that wonder, like the wonder of a child, like, wow, like, what is that? Like, where are we? You know, what are we living in? True. So nice. So you're also now hosting and facilitating the uh one of the pause your life meetups in what near you uh and you've been facilitating that for about six months now uh just for the listeners i met bruce probably 10 months ago or so i'm not sure um something like that or in, in february of 2016 i think and right. we just just a wonderful conversation you're you're a wonderful guy bruce and we really had a great time and uh, anyway, eventually I ended up telling you about Pause Your Life, and you're like, wow, that's interesting. And then I said, you know, well, we have actually have the meeting agenda. We have everything. We have everything to help people start their own meetup, their own Pause Your Life meetup in their own area. And you said, wow, that, that'd be something I'd like to do. So we set up the meetup, and you've been doing it for probably five or six months now, right? Since May. May was my first one, yeah. Okay, so May. So yeah, it's coming up on six months. Yeah. Um, and if you're listening to the show, I, I have talked about Pause Your Life a lot um, over, you know, over time. But uh, what has your experience been so far facilitating that meetup group? Well, it's been really enjoyable because I spend so much time talking with people online, you know, interviewing people for my show, and I really enjoy that immensely. But I thought, you know, I want to spend time with real live people in my own community, you know, and I and I realized that I, I really wasn't spending very much time getting to know mindful people in my own community. And so, I thought, why not do a meetup? This is a great way to do it. So, yeah, just put the word out there and just show up for the meetups and so it's been really exciting it's been fun and so just like with the mindfulness i just had to just kind of let go and allow things to be to happen because of course you know like i would think to myself oh i've got a whole you know whole room of total strangers going to be showing up in a few minutes what's <laughs> that going to be like what will i say how will i handle this and 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 of course it's just all about thinking well you know, I've got my outline here. I've got things in place. I've arrived early enough that I'm not stressed out because of the time. And just take a few deep breaths and just go for it. And so I've met some fascinating people. And as a matter of fact, I'm having lunch with one of the guys uh, that's a member tomorrow. Nice. He When he walked in a few months ago, I think it was, might have been September 
or August, he walked in and there was just this immediate connection. Have you ever felt that, Chris, when somebody walked in a room and you just thought, oh, I, I feel this connection with that person? Certainly, absolutely. And that's how it was with Patrick. And, and I just thought, whoa, there, there's something here. And I thought, I got to talk with him after. And maybe we can go for a coffee or something. And so we talked. And sure enough, I just really, really felt this connection with him. And we ended up going out for lunch a couple of months ago. And, and now we are again. And he just, he just has that same mindset, some of the same ways of thinking that I do about things. So I really enjoyed meeting him, but so many different people. And you know, it's it's a nice mix of people, but you know, because of what's online on that page describing it, then of course you get a certain kind of people who understand that you're there to do a little meditating and talk a little bit about, you know, a little bit about spiritualism and what you know things mean as you think deeper about the world and about what's going on inside us. So it's been a really fascinating experience, right? And now I see on the meetup group that you're you're having uh, quite a few return visitors. So this is what happens with the groups: is that after a certain time, you start to have a core, like almost like an inner circle of people who sort of come every month. Is that sort of happening? It is, and it's funny you say that, Chris, because. At the October meeting, I thought, okay, there were, I think there were 20, oh, around 19 or 20 people signed oh, up. Nice. And, and then I thought, well, this will be good. And then when, when we had the actual meetup, there were not nearly as many people there. And in my mind, it was kind of funny because in my mind, I thought, okay, I think there were six people there. Mm. But the last meetup, they said, no, no, Bruce, there, were, no, there weren't six people. There were like nine. And of course, I keep notes. It's not like <laughs> I'm going completely right out my brain. But I just, for some reason, I had it in my mind that I had a really low attendance. And so, before the November one, I was, honestly, I was feeling kind of a little bit... Uh, feeling a little bit discouraged because I thought, you know, hey, what's this with, we don't seem to be having very many repeat people come out and, and is this really going anywhere? Okay, let me think back to what is it I want to achieve with this. And I'm thinking of all these thoughts and I thought, Bruce, just give it up. Like, just relax. Like, let, let it happen. Whatever happens, happens. If they're all new people, they're they're all new people. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's whatever it is. And just let it go. And so, at the November meeting, in walked one person. She says, oh, I couldn't wait to come back. Last <laughs> month's meeting was so amazing. And then another one, and another one, and another one. And I think we had nine or ten repeat people. Wow. And at the end of the meeting, they're like, hey, everybody, let's go for coffee. Yes. This will be really great. So, we almost everybody... <laughs> Matt and we all went out for coffee and they're talking about how, you know, it'd be great if we could do like a couple of extra meetups and yeah. maybe we could do something every two weeks. And, you know, and they're talking about things like this and, and just really being passionate, you know, about the whole idea of the meetup and how much fun it was and how they, they felt that I'd really helped them feel 
focused and it really felt like they were able to slow down, you know, at the meeting. And they said it's it's because of the way you facilitated it, the way you kind of gently moved from one person to another and and you kind of let people talk, but then you kind of let someone else talk, you know. I guess it takes a certain skill for sure, or one or two people can start monopolizing. And so, we just have a good time talking about things, and it's been a a great experience. That's a very special experience. And that actually, that happens in every group, which is just tremendous. There's always, at some point, it's always like, well, we should do more than once a month. And (laughs) it's it's very good. It really shows that people really like it. And I would like to take this moment to to thank you and appreciate you, Bruce, because right now, actually recording this, I'm still in New Jersey. I've I've taken about a three-week trip to New Jersey, and I've actually got to spend some time with the two facilitators we have in New Jersey here. Mm-hmm. And I was actually able to attend one of the Pause Your Life meetups, and I personally facilitated it. And both of the facilitators were in the group, and they got to just experience the meeting without having to facilitate it. Cool. Which is something they wanted to do. Um, So I was able to appreciate them in person. But I do want to say to you, Bruce, that we're really proud of you and happy that you're able to do this at at such a, a... at a high level because you're really helping people. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't a religion where you're trying to recruit people and... Or, or anything like that. This is just you, Bruce, going out there and just being who you are and attracting, you know, being with like-minded people. And these are the meetings and these are the times in life that really make a difference because so many people have come to Pause Your Life meetups and said, you know what? I never thought I would meet anyone in my life like you people. And it to be with like-minded people is so powerful and so helpful because then at least in your own life, you you know, you're not crazy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There's others. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's true. You know, like, you know, we meet so many people every day, but we don't meet that many people that share some of our thoughts, some of our beliefs, some of our, you know, just, just some of our interests when we like to talk about those things that are spiritual and deeper and not talk about them in a judgmental way, just talk about them. Right. Yeah. So you are really doing important work for humanity, Bruce, and my wife and I, and all the other Pause Your Life facilitators want to thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for saying so. I really, really feel honored to be part of it. It's really an exciting experience. And your website, again, is mindfulnessmode.com. I'll have the link in the show notes. Thanks. And uh, if you're listening to this, you'll probably definitely enjoy Bruce's show, um, all the different types of guests. And uh, you put out a couple episodes a week, right? Yes, two a week. That's right. Yeah. So it's a good podcast to subscribe to and, and listen to when you get the chance. So anything else, Bruce, that you want to add before we close it up well I just want to I just want to say you know I think that 
I think it's so exciting what what you're doing and that you've got thoughts for the future about possible pause your life retreats. And, you know, you said in your last podcast, you looked at a property and you could envision what it could be like bringing people together to do retreats. And, and it's funny you said that because I've been kind of thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I should be looking into going to some kind of a retreat myself sometime because, I mean, I go to lots of events, you know, different kinds of business events, podcasting events, things like that. Sometimes I'm a speaker, sometimes I'm there just as an attendee, but I thought, well, maybe I should go to, you know, an event where it would be more like a mindfulness retreat, something like that, because I think I would really enjoy it, meet some amazing people probably, or or maybe not meet people, maybe just get more in touch with myself. But you've really helped me to do that, Chris, just because, you know, having the long chat with you at the event where I met you and then talking all the number of times about Pause Your Life, you've certainly really helped me to move forward in my own mindfulness. So, thank you very much for that. Sure. Uh, we, we all, you and I and folks like us, we love this conversation. We love the journey and we love the camaraderie too. You know, we're standing shoulder to shoulder. We're walking the path and, and, and it's, it feels really good. So, yes. So, this has been great. Bruce Langford, host of Mindfulness Mode podcast and the links will be in the show notes. Thanks again, Bruce. My pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Yes, thank you again, Bruce. That was really awesome. And I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you enjoy some of the older episodes of The Mystic Show as well. You can go back, listen to any of the 189 episodes you'd like to on the website, themysticshow.net. So real quick, before we end for today, I just want to mention on pauseyourlife.org, we have an email list where we send you midweek pause materials every Wednesday. So just go to pauseyourlife.org, go down to the bottom, and look for midweek pause. We, it's, it's a little bit of powerful material in an email. Just a great excuse for you to pause on Wednesday, right in the middle of the week, right? So the midweek pause emails. I thank you for listening. I'm really happy that you're on this journey. And I'm happy that we are on this journey together and we can actually help each other. So I appreciate your emails, your comments on the website, and of course, meeting people in person that appreciate the Mystic Show. So thank you. We'll see you next week. And as always, keep shining. <laughs>